Welcome to Near Week Audio, a collection of podcasts and Twitter spaces produced and curated by Near Week, the number one news and community platform for the Near Protocol and the Aurora ecosystem. At nearweek.com slash podcasts, you can find every interesting audio piece from the community in one place. We curate content on topics such as DeFi, NFTs, gaming, DAOs, community hangouts, and more. Basically, we got you covered near fam. And without further ado, let's dig in. Hello, hello. Hello, Arena. Hello, Kudam. How are you doing, guys? I'm good, I'm good. How how are things at uh, Aurora? They're busy. We are getting ready for Eat Denver. There is going to be a lot of announcements happening. So, yeah, exciting. Awesome, awesome. What about near week? Uh, yeah, near week is building some, uh, something huge too, uh, and we can't wait to announce. Okay, look like uh, we're all here. Hey, everybody. So, hey, Patrick. So, uh, welcome everyone to our to the space today. Uh, we are very lucky to have Ariana from Aurora to co-host with us this time. I am Kudam. You guys might know me as Kudam321 on Twitter or across every, like, or on near related Telegram channels. So, uh, Ariana, how about you introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. I'm Ariana, and I work as the content manager for Aurora. I guess that everyone is familiar with it, but it's an EVM based on near, and basically it provides a solution for developers to uh, build their apps on an Ethereum compatible environment, but with not the same issues. So it offers high speed scalability and low transaction costs among many other things. So great to be here. Awesome, awesome. And our main guest today will be Patrick from uh, C14, an on-ramp platform that have uh, recently integrated with Aurora. So uh, Patrick, why don't you give us here a little background of what is C14 and what is your role at the project? Yeah, of course, happy to be here. Um, I head up BD at C14. Um, we're a small team, so a lot of us do a lot of things. Um, but I pretty much do anything not uh, on the tech side. We have a talented dev team who handles all that. Um, we essentially see ourselves as the next generation of fiat ramps. Um, we came into the space. Um, our founder has a lot of experience working in the ramp space specifically. And we kind of saw that a lot of the legacy providers were doing the same things. Um, it was kind of the same user interface, the same experience, the same KYC flow, um, the same kind of focus on credit and debit cards in established markets. Um, and so we're doing things a little bit differently. On the asset side, we like to list ecosystems early on, um, which, you know, our Aurora integration kind of speaks to that. Um, we want to get here early and we, we think Aurora will be a big growing ecosystem, especially going into the next cycle. Um, we also can list a lot of longer tail assets. So if there are project tokens that want to list their native tokens, we can get those up and running very quickly, whereas other ramps can't. Um, we have our regulatory and processing infrastructure all in-house. So... 
um, we could make those decisions. Whereas, you know, most of the legacy ramps have are sort of beholden to their banking partners there. Um, so that's sort of an advantage on the listing side. And then, like I said, on the coverage side, we're very focused on emerging global markets. So we launched in October with U.S. coverage. Um, we added Canada and the European Union shortly after that. So we had credit and debit cards around the world um, in those markets. And that was sort of our, our table stakes, our let's get this off the ground. Um, and then our first uh, sort of voyage into or venture rather into our focus on emerging markets was Brazil with a PIX integration. Um, and we'll add Mexico with a, a SPAY integration. And those are both very wi uh, widely adopted uh, payment methods in those markets. Um, and payment methods that people really use on a day-to-day -day basis and would expect to use with something like this. So that's sort of our next focus coverage-wise. And really one of our big value propositions is we want to add um, a lot of these very well-adopted non-card payment methods around the world and, and really allow meaningful access um, directly to digital assets. So people don't have to go through central exchanges. They can buy directly um, and participate directly in the ecosystem from there. Okay, awesome. Oh, so firstly, I want to uh, warm up the space by some these or that questions, but you already warmed it up by uh, some really cool in introduction, but I guess we're gonna do it anyway. So, uh, are yeah, you yeah, let's do it. I, I, I typically uh, tell too much information, so I think that's a better problem than not enough. It's fine, it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, are you familiar with, with, with the four format, Patrick? Yeah, uh, so yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay, so let's jump right into it. Okay, so basically we will ask the guests uh, some two option questions and Patrick here will choose uh, his uh, preferred options. So um, Bitcoin or Ethereum? Uh, I mean, I don't want to make anybody mad, but I'm, I'm an ETH maxi. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, so, uh, so Ethereum or Altcoin? Uh, on this space, I'm going altcoin because I'm directing my. I'm I'm going toward Aurora here with these questions. Okay. <laughs> hot wallet or cold wallet? Uh, no one hacked me, but I prefer hot wallets. Uh -huh. <laughs> me too. Um, so central exchange or decentralized exchange? Uh, definitely decentralized exchange, and I think uh, you know, I see a world where they flip Texas in volume in the future. Cool. Cool. Uh, proof of work or proof of stake? Um, probably stake for me, but yeah. I can see arguments for both. Okay. Uh, on off ramps or P2P? Well, I'm definitely a fan of ramps. <laughs> <laughs> I think so too. Um, volatile currencies or stable coin? Uh, I'm I'm all for volatility. You know, that's what got me into crypto. <laughs> no, we all degenerate. Who are day trading? Uh, I think I'm somewhere in the middle. I, I don't do a lot of flipping day to day. Um, you know, I tend to have, you know, short to midterm positions. Uh, I see, I see. Except for ETH. <laughs> okay, so the last one is NFT or DeFi? Uh, definitely be on the DeFi side of that. Yeah. Okay. I feel like we have a lot of similar, similar stuff. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So feel like we we know each other a bit better. So that's what the warm up. Let's get into our 
main show today. Um, Ariana, why don't you go ahead with the first questions? Sure. So maybe to understand a bit better what uh, C14 offers, could you perhaps paint um, a little the, the current state of Web3 onboarding and like what are the most common problems that people encounter when they want to buy tokens? Yeah, I guess it's sort of a two-pronged um, uh, set of problems. It kind of depends on the user and their geography. If you're in a place with good central exchange coverage, for example, if you're in the U.S., it's really not that hard to set up a Coinbase account and, and buy assets. The problem is that I think the last cycle, there was a lot of volume around buying cryptocurrencies. There wasn't a lot of sort of reciprocal volume on people actually going on to chains and, and taking on chain uh, actions and participating in the ecosystem. So there's a lot of people that held a lot of crypto for the first time on central exchanges and, and all they really knew it as was sort of um, a financial investment, right? You know, Coinbase was no different than Robinhood to them. Um, and I think we definitely saw this last year sort of the dangers in that being how people understand crypto. Um, and digital assets and, and custody. Um, and a lot of people got burned for sort of falling into that trap of, of trusting these, these central institutions to, you know, take care of their funds and take care of their coins and, and only seeing them as financial investments. So when, when you have that situation where they're just buying things on Kexes and leaving things on Kexes, it doesn't really help adoption that much. It just kind of helps the price. Um, and, you know, to, to further that um, idea, it, it becomes very difficult for people to get from a Kex to the actual ecosystem. You, you, it's, it's easy to sign up for a Kex account and buy things because it's an interface that people are used to. They click purchase on the asset name. It's a whole other onboarding experience to figure out how to set up a hot wallet and send to it and connect to things. And it's very scary and intimidating. Um, you know, it was like so long ago for, for all of us that we did those actions. And those actions were kind of like connecting to sites and approving swaps. And, you know, these things were like new for us when they were new for everybody. So we aren't as intimidated by it, I think, because we kind of saw the birth of it um, and got to get accustomed. But for people that are coming into the space, it's it's really intimidating to do these things. And, and everything feels kind of unsafe and risky. Um, so kind of allowing people to bypass the difficulty of transferring assets um, doing the tutorial stage at the stage where people set up the wallet and, and allowing them to purchase assets directly and send them to that wallet, I think is really important. So if we had a situation where the wave of retail is not going through Texas, but going through something like C14 or whatever ramps are available in their area, they're actually getting the assets on their own wallet. And I think because they'll have that extra responsibility, they'll take the time and effort to learn a little bit more about how this works and what they can do with these assets, um, aside from just sort of hold them in somebody else's wallet. Um, so that's sort of a really interesting idea that I think there's a lot of value in building something like what we're building because people are directly accessing these assets and they'll then get to use them on the networks. And, and when we integrate with a chain, we're really supporting um, sort of retail inflow into that chain. And that's why I like to get integrated early before everybody comes. Um, so that's sort of one aspect. Um, the other aspect is that in a lot of countries, so if you're outside of the US, it's a lot of sort of card access. You'll go on a lot of these uh, legacy ramp sites and they'll say, you know, we support 180 plus countries. Um, there's a reason they all use the same number. It's because they're all flipping the same switches. Um, 
for credit debit card coverage uh, around the world. And that's great for people with credit cards and debit cards. But for the bulk of the world, you know, the majority of these countries' populations don't use credit or debit cards. Um, it's very difficult to go one by one in these markets and, and figure out how to integrate the most adoptive payment methods. Um, and that's what we're doing. So we can't flip on 180 countries. I mean, we could with, with cards, but like I said, it wouldn't be that relevant. Um, but we can't flip on 180 countries in a way that would be meaningful. Um, so that's why we're going one by one. Brazil being the first one, Mexico being the next one. We're turning on about 15 more in a batch after that. Um, and so kind of just solving both of those problems. One, allowing people to get assets directly and hold them in their own wallet and use them on the ecosystem. Um, and two, allowing people who don't really have meaningful coverage right now to actually asset, uh, access these assets uh, with a payment method that they're used to using, whether that be PIX in Brazil or Spain, in Mexico or um, mobile money in Kenya, um, you know, the, a whole range of alternative payment methods. Yeah, that sounds uh, really important and really great that you're trying to build such an option because indeed it's going to be very necessary if we want to make it more accessible and reach mass adoption of Web3. And yep. I'm curious, what is your approach to the KYC? Because in many uh, on-ramps or before you mentioned Coinbase, uh, there is a lot of things that are requested. And I wonder what's different on C14. Yeah, it's kind of a similar answer. We tailor it to the geography. It's not sort of one blanket approach. Um, KYC is sort of, it's a double-edged sword. Um, in some places, there aren't a ton of requirements for you know us to KYC users, but it's the number one attack vector against a business like us is organized crime and, and fraudulent credit cards and chargebacks and things like that. So in order for us to operate, we have to KYC people to an extent that we can say with a very high likelihood, this person is not a fraudster. Um, and that's really the rationale behind why we KYC. So most people will just do the same KYC flow for people, no matter where they are, kind of just do a, a turn it on button. And, you know, whoever falls off on that page falls off and whoever makes it through makes it through. Um, our KYC, when we launched, looked very similar to our competitors because we had to start somewhere. And now we've been working to sort of refine it based on special circumstances. There's not really a one size fits all where we can reduce the burden for everyone. Um, but if people have certain characteristics or, you know, without giving away too much to anybody who might be listening and trying to uh, defraud us, um, there are certain characteristics of somebody that that visits your site where you can say with much higher certainty that this person is probably not fraudulent um and we're starting the process of working that in for various geographies where um you know maybe if you have these certain characteristics you don't have to give this information um and maybe if you have these characteristics you don't have to give this information so that for each user we're verifying what we need to verify but as much as possible reducing that burden um, and we've done that, you know, with some certain, you know, there are certain partners where they use our widget and they already KYC their users. So we, you know, turn it off for those people. Um, and there are things like that, that we'll keep doing to reduce the burden as much as possible. But unfortunately, there's not really a, here's the solution for everybody answer here. Um, it's really just a lot of work, uh, and figuring out sort of what we can do for 
various cases um, to reduce the KYC. But yeah, it, it uh, you know, as far as the technical thing, it's as easy as it gets. Um, I think it takes two to three minutes to go through our flow the first time and you'll store a payment method. And from there on out, you can uh, log in with your phone number and complete a transaction. And, you know, I've done it as fast as 10, 15 seconds. So, you know, there is the KYC, but once you're done with that, you can, uh, you can use it forever, really easily, wherever it is. Okay, that's nice. Uh, yeah, KYC sounds like a hard one to to manage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so before I uh, pass on the mic to Kudam again, I'd like to ask you what what differentiates a C14 from other on-ramps? What, what are the things that are setting it apart? Yeah, I guess there's sort of, I mean, there's, there's, there's a few things I can kind of just run through them. Um, the first is we built it as an embeddable widget. So our idea is not to be uh, like the current setup where you typically are redirected to another site. We think, you know, we, we have some e-commerce background on our team. And every time you redirect somebody to another site to purchase something, uh, it's a pretty confusing and poor user experience. So ours is embeddable and we're happy to help people embed it really easily on their website. Um, so that um, there's actually a cool example. If you go to Endemic, which is a, an NFT marketplace on Aurora, you can see a really cool example of how they embedded it. Um, and I think that just makes it really easy where you can top up your balance. And we see it as kind of like a shop pay. Um, for Shopify, um, for the different ecosystems that we uh, integrate with. So that's sort of the first reason, um, just from user experience. Um, another thing on the UI side, we're always testing things and improving things. If you used our ramp the day we went live and you used our ramp today, it's probably a 10x better experience. Um, and that sort of just speaks to us being a young, hungry, sort of next-gen ramp company. Um, the it, It's my opinion that the legacy providers were not very incentivized um, to optimize their user experience. They were making so much money during the bull run with what they had that it wasn't really, um, you know, not, not necessarily their fault. There wasn't really an incentive there uh, to, to make things uh, optimal from user experience. But for us, like we, we're going to fight for every piece of market share we can get. And, and that means making the best user experience we can. So we're constantly kind of taking feedback and changing things. Um, so that's, I guess, on the UI side, some, some differentiating factors. Um, on the asset side, like I said, we do have a lot of flexibility in what we list. Um, we, you know, we can list on-chain projects. Like I said, if there's a DEX on Aurora that wants to list their native DEX token, we can do that. Um, and we've moved very fast. We launched in October with one chain. I think we're up to seven or eight chains now with a few assets on each one. Um, so we can move very quickly. I think we'll onboard three three chains this this month. So uh, much faster if you've ever tried to get a ramp to integrate with your chain um, than our competitors there and much more flexible in terms of what we can list. Um, on the coverage side, like I said, we are very focused on new payment ramps that don't exist yet that can provide a lot of value for people um, using these well-adopted alternative payment methods. Um, I think we were the second ramp to create uh, a PIX integration in Brazil and we'll be the first to do the SPAY integration in Mexico. And SPAY is the you know most widely adopted payment method in Mexico. So, um, yeah, we'll just continue sort of uh, <laughs> breaking new ground on the on the payment rails side as well. Um, and that uh, that sort of sums it up. There's there's sort of a fourth component that's more of a B 
B2B aspect. I don't know if it's as relevant for this space since this is more about um, users and what makes it better for users, but um, we also have some. Oh, cool for sure. Tooling. For sure. Yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. 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 We have some cool tooling on the back end for our partners. Whereas, um, you know, most people, when they, when they give you a ramp, uh, if, if somebody else builds you a ramp for Aurora, they'll kind of just deliver it to you and that'll be the end and they'll move on, right? <laughs> um, we have some cool tooling on the back end that, that allows us to optimize things on like a per partner basis. Awesome, awesome. So uh, as we are already speaking about like product, um, so I, I kind of want to ask like, what is the hard part about the hardest part about building an on an on ramps, like, is it the technical part harder or is it the the regulation part harder? Um, I mean, this is especially true given we launched this at sort of the pico bottom of the bear market. Um, so it's been it's been interesting. I think the KYC aspect has been. I mean, it's the same problem that everybody faces. It's not unique to us. Um, but I think because we're actually trying to be proactive and, and solve that problem and there's not an easy answer, um, that has been the hardest part. But not hard in the sense that we're not going to do it, just hard in that it's going to take some time and effort. And it'll always be sort of a thing we're working to improve. I don't think there'll ever be really an end state there. It'll be just something we'll keep trying to make better um, in, in sort of on a per-jurisdiction basis. Um, yeah, I would say that that's been the most challenging thing um, from a partner and sort of finding partners and project standpoint. Um, we've had some really great feedback, I think, due to a lot of the differentiators that we've discussed. Um, if there's any projects that are listening, um, building on Aurora that want to embed the widget, please hit me up here or on our website. We can get it embedded in a day if you'd like it. Um, so there's not a lot of friction when it comes to onboarding, so that hasn't been too challenging. Um, but really sort of solving a lot of the problems that the legacy ramps never bothered to solve um, has been our challenge. Since there's not a clear roadmap there, we're kind of uh, the first to do a lot of these things. Cool, cool. Okay, so the next one, <clears throat> the next one is a bit of personal, based on my personal experience. But um, so me, me and myself, right, I, I live in Asia, so I rarely use on or off RAM services. Because the, the reason is not many services support like Asia countries. Like uh, today before our our conversations, right? I want to try out C14, but but I saw you guys haven't support like Asia country yet. I, I, I know it is a regulatory relate, related issue, so so no hard feelings, okay? But so, <laughs> no worries. So then what I what what I, I usually use is to converting between fiat and crypto is, is P2P, you know, like SEX always have a, a P2P market so people can buy and sell stable there. So so I kind of want to ask, like from your perspective, as someone who is developing an on-ramp service, like what is your opinion on P2P market services and how do it compare to on and off-ramps? Yeah, I think they both have a place in the world. Um, our our sort of philosophy here is not that we want to be the be-all, end-all solution for everybody. I think it's impossible for one organization to do that. Um, our goal is kind of to look at the current landscape and fill in the gaps, right? So just like you said, there's, there's not a lot of ramp coverage in Asia. And if there is, it's usually just people turning on 
card presentment, right? Which isn't that relevant. Um, we actually, Asia is a focus for ours this year. Obviously, it's there's some challenges, so we didn't launch with it, or we, we would have taken a while to launch. Um, we're kind of finishing up a lot of Latin American integrations right now. Um, and then we have some interesting integrations in both Africa and Asia um, that we want to work towards and, and do a few countries there this year just to sort of make inroads and, and kind of be the first examples of us moving on to those continents. Um, so, yeah, we do have a, a Southeast Asian integration that should be live fairly soon. I don't want to give any dates or anything, but that'll be sort of our first um, example of an APM integration uh, in in those parts of the world. So yeah, it's definitely a focus. Um, my apologies, it's not live now, but we will uh, we will make that happen for you. <laughs> okay, okay, I'm I'm looking forward. Okay, so um, speaking of expanding, like so, um, so what is the what is C fourteen plan to to ex to expand more, like on on two sides uh, specifically? Uh, so as you said before, like expanding to more countries, and I also want to touch about expanding to more payment methods and expanding to more like networks, blockchains, and protocol. So, um, like for now, how 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 many protocols have been integrated C fourteen, Richard? Yeah, I'd have to look and, and see the exact number. Um, we started with one chain in October. We have about seven or eight chains now. Um, and there's sort of two sides to that, like you said. There's us building the integration to where assets on that chain can be made available. Um, there's us pushing the assets live, and that could be sort of the native chain token, uh, like on Aurora, or it can be sort of um, project tokens as well in addition. And we've done some of those integrations to date. Um, if you check our Twitter, you can see some of the more notable integrations in terms of projects inventing the widget. Um, we were very new, so it was a little slow and hard to convince people like, no, we're, we're a real project. <laughs> this, is, this is real. Um, and also people just, you know, again, it was the bear market. Uh, fiat ramps weren't their primary focus. Their primary focus was uh, how do we survive? And, and, you know, as a product that has a lot of retail user flow, it, it sort of, you know, was, was not a top priority. So it took a, a while for a lot of these conversations to come to fruition, but I think there's a lot more optimism in the market right now. So something like uh, our tooling is is more attractive now, and a lot of these conversations have been a lot easier. Um, if you want to, if you check out our Twitter, you can see some of our embeds that we've just done. We've announced some chain listings um, the last couple of weeks. We just announced that Pangolin uh, now has our widget embedded. Um, so we're starting to see. A, a lot more good embeds. Um, we have some unique project integrations coming up as well that I'm really proud to talk about, but uh, probably another week or two before we can announce those. But yeah, we are we are more than happy to work with anybody who wants to embed the widget. Um, we have Aurora on, on there. Um, we'll probably add ETH on Aurora there pretty soon as well. So you'll have the, the native and the gas token available. Um, and anybody that wants to embed that who's building on Aurora, uh, feel free. And that's that's the same value proposition we have for any chain that we integrate. So, yeah, I guess the short answer is was a little slow at first, but uh, it's definitely picking up now. And we've had some pretty notable ones as of late, um, especially Pangolin, which is a pretty large project. Awesome, awesome, awesome stuff. So, um, so how about payment methods? Like you guys, you you mentioned earlier that you guys don't want to focus only on on uh, on ramp with 
debit or or uh, credit. Uh, yeah. yeah, like Visa card in overall. So, uh, what kind of payment method have you guys integrated, and 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 what what's in the the, the future? Yeah, yeah. So we started with uh, credit debit cards in U.S., Canada, EU. Like I said, that was sort of our like, let's get this up and running with the same things that everybody else has because these are easy to turn on for us. Um, we flipped on uh, PIX payments in Brazil. PIX is very well adopted in Brazil. It's sort of like Menmo meets bank transfer. Um, and that's been really cool to see. We, we have uh, a, a lot of Brazilian users now, which is fun because um, I get to practice my Portuguese sometimes. <laughs> and then uh, we, uh, we're turning on Mexico with Spay. Spay is actually the most well-adopted payment method in Mexico. It's a bank transfer system from uh, the central bank there. Um, and that'll be sort of our second one, and that'll be the first, the first of its kind. Um, like I said, I think there's one other ramp that has PIX in Brazil, but nobody has Spay in Mexico um, for whatever reason. I don't know why it's a great payment method, and it's a giant market. But, um, yeah, that, that kind of speaks to the inertia of legacy providers. Um, we'll turn on some more some more uh, card presentment in different in different countries uh, in the meantime, just to give some people there that have cards the option to buy. Um, and then, like I said, we have uh, another alternative payment method integration coming in Southeast Asia uh, fairly soon, um, depending on a few factors. But again, we'll always just look at what is the, you know, what is a well-adopted payment method in this country that we can integrate and, and we'll add it there. Um, you know, the, the transactions are separate. Us accepting fiat is one transaction. Us sending the crypto to the purchaser is another transaction. So um, because we only integrated on one side in terms of fiat payment, it, it makes it a little easier because there's no there's nothing on chain there. Um, so it's it's sort of just creating a mesh of backend payment providers for accepting fiat. Um, yeah, and that's that's sort of our goal moving forward. Awesome, awesome. So um, so moving forward, just out of curiosity, I I, I was wondering like. How do on our program services make make their make their profit profit sorry um, like just out of uh, a cut of transactions or or like because I see you guys put in a lot of works but like how do you, how do you guys earn some profit out of it? Yeah, it's really a volume game. Um, you know, we're preparing for bull run volume, which is where we'll make the bulk of our, our profit right now. You know, we're VC backed. We're happy to build and do what we can to get adoption um, and sort of prepare for a high volume uh, market condition. Um, but yeah, it's exactly that. We we have a very reasonable fee structure. It's 2.99% on uh, credit debit cards. I think it's 399 for most alternative payment methods. Sometimes that can be a little different um, depending on those. And that's even lower margin because those are pretty expensive to integrate. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of cost upfront for us to onboard somebody. We have to pay to KYC. We have to pay for the credit card transaction. Um, we pay the network fee as well, which doesn't matter, or the user pays the network fee, but we have to you know incorporate the network fee. Um, which doesn't matter on Aurora, it's a penny or less, um, but it but it, it does matter for ETH assets. That's really the only case where it matters. Um, but, you know, all this is to say there's there's a lot that goes into allowing somebody to trade fiat for crypto. It's it's a, a complicated structure and there's a lot of little expenses along the way um, that people might not see because it's in the background. 
Um, so our, our business model really is built on returning users um, and sort of building a, a user base that, that trusts us and, and uses us to onboard into new assets. Um, so that's, that's really what our, our model is focused on, is getting the widget wherever we can, um, making that orange little rocket, white rocket outline uh, a source of trust for people and something people are comfortable using to get a variety of assets. Um, and building a loyal user base, um, because typically on a first transaction, we'll lose money. We, you know, we, 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 we pay a lot to allow people to do it easily the first time. Um, and, and really where we have our revenue model is on repeat transactions. So a little, uh, a little behind the scenes info on how ramps work. I see. I see. Interesting. Uh, so I think we should move on to another aspect of the space today is the uh, the relationship between C14 and Aurora. Maybe Ariana can can come up with some questions on this. Yeah, sure. Um, well, uh, first I'd like to ask, uh, why did you choose Aurora or what attracted you to, to it? Uh, you know, I traded on Aurora last year. I had a great experience and I had sort of a, you know, I, I'm, I'm a believer um in what aurora is building and i think an evm on near is a very bullish narrative moving into the next cycle um when i you know sort of interacted with the team these feelings were um even more emphasized because i've had great conversations um, with everybody there we've had a great sort of telegram group to move this forward um when we launched aurora was one of the first projects that we we started talking to um, as well, just because it's one that was sort of on the top of my list. So yeah, it's been a great experience the whole time and we've, we've been happy to build here. Um, I think it's a really cool place to be right now. There's a lot of new stuff coming online and we can get embedded there and sort of um, be present throughout the ecosystem when uh, retail inflow starts ramping up. And do you have any uh, partnerships with uh, Aurora projects? Yeah, we've had a lot of conversations, um, so we should have some more integrations coming soon. Um, the one that I really like so far is Endemic NFT Marketplace. So if you go on, on Endemic, um, I think I, I have a tweet actually where I posted sort of a, a screen share of me going through the widget and buying some Aurora on Endemic, but they did a really cool embed um, where you can go into the sidebar and click buy Aurora and it pops like a little um, embedded version of our widget there. Um, so super easy to top up balances and use that to get NFTs uh, on Endemic. And that's sort of a, an example I use a lot because I think that's the best way to embed our widget um, is sort of put it right on the site, make it really easy, treat it like a, a top up button, which it is when you have a repeat transaction. Um, and in like 10 seconds, if they don't have enough gas, if they don't have enough Aurora, they can just top up their balance really quickly and, and get whatever they want. Cool. And in the near ecosystem, what has been your your experience and uh, in general the reception of your project? In in the near ecosystem in general. Yes. Yeah, we've had a lot of good feedback. Um, I think there are certain geographies that once we turn on, it'll be even better. Um, we've had a lot of users from India and Asia asking us um, about rent coverage, and we don't have that right now. Um, so I'd like to get. Uh, some of those coverage areas on board and then, then I think it'll be even more relevant um, of sort of a, a value add 
Um, but yeah, we've had a really good experience in the ecosystem so far. I think this is our fourth AMA, which is far more than we've done with um, other chain integrations. <laughs> um, and we've had a lot of sort of cool co-marking opportunities. We've done some giveaways. Um, and I'm in a lot of chats with a lot of sort of community leaders and, and group mods. And yeah, it's, it really is a thriving ecosystem in terms of um, community. Um, and, and that's even at this stage, sort of pre next cycle. So I, I think, I think come, you know, 2024, 2025, it'll be a pretty thriving ecosystem and, and just a, a ton of buzz in the community. Nice, nice to hear some positive thoughts about uh, the future. So yeah. maybe, <laughs> maybe we can open up the floor to some questions if our audience would like to ask anything to you di directly. I see a lot of sure. familiar yeah, faces we'll around. I'm just making a coffee now, so I'll be uh, even more energetic. <laughs> nice. So people don't be shy. Our robot 99. Let's go. We love an Aurobot. What's up? 99. Hi, everyone. How are you doing? Um, I was wondering, um, the C14... Um, do you already or are you going to plan to offer some cross-gen, uh, multi-gen swaps as well as onboarding? Because there's sort of that, um, there's sort of that overlap in that area if you offer onboarding. Um, I've seen some services already offer like um, smart, smart um, offboarding almost off experiences, right? But then cross-gen, multi-chain um, related. Uh, that's a really interesting question. Yeah, that's not something that's on our roadmap right now, but I'm going to make a note of that. Um, I, I, just so I understand you correctly, you're saying like I could buy Aurora on the C14 widget and then within the widget, I could swap that to native near, um, for example. Um, yeah, that's a really cool feature. Um, if you have a link to somebody doing that, I'd love to see it if you can DM it to uh, our Twitter. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll look into that. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, sure. There's, I, I know there's a project doing it on Arweave already and they... They do it then with Arweave and Ethereum. Um, so I'll find, nice. an, I'll find a name for you. Yeah, that's great. Because we hold inventory of the assets. So it wouldn't be impossible from that standpoint. It would really just be accepting one thing and sending another. I was going to ask about the widget as well. Just wondering about the roadmap. Sounds pretty cool. Yeah, in terms of like uh, functionality or, or coverage or just uh, just generally? Just thinking about how you might do additional widgets for other platforms, just, you know, the general approach, any specific goals, whatever you'd like to share. For yeah. sure, for sure. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Like I said, we're very like proactive and sort of thinking about what can be cool and useful from a user standpoint, especially because every legacy widget is the same experience. So if you used ours on the day we launched, it looked 
really similar to all of the other ones because they're all essentially the same process and the same user interface. Um, we are, we actually just did a round of updates that might not be super noticeable to the user, but from a project embed standpoint, um, we added some parameters where, you know, say we list on your project and your project is on Aurora. Most ramps, you'll click the link to go to the ramp from the Aurora project, and it'll just be US dollar going to Bitcoin as the pre-selected options. Um, we just added some parameters to where you can pre-select the token. So if you're an Aurora project and you embed the widget, you can pre-select it. So it's um, it's actually automatically based on the user's um, sort of geolocation. Um, and it'll just change it to their native currency, which is really cool. And then it'll pre-select Aurora. So little changes like that, while they might not be super noticeable um, to the users that use it every day, it, it, it goes a long way because it just saved them a lot of clicks. Um, same thing with the phone number login. We just tied that to geolocation. So instead of clicking the scroll down menu and having to find your area code amongst you know 40 country options, it just pre-selects the area code based on your geolocation. Again, just cutting down the time it takes to do a transaction to where, you know, I think a repeat transaction, you, you could do it in 10 seconds or so. Um, if you just, you know, just went on, clicked the amount, I think it's like three to four clicks now um, with the mobile uh, verification code entry as the login, and then you'd have your assets. So a lot of things like that um, that we're thinking about in terms of optimization, in addition to obvious, sort of the obvious ones like, more assets, more coverage, um, you know, those things are obvious. Um, and then I think on the KYC side, I, I spoke a lot about that kind of vaguely because um, I don't want to sort of give away attack vectors, but um, there, there is a lot we can do on the KYC side to sort of make that first-time use even a lot faster for a lot of users. It'll never be, you know, put your phone number and now you can buy uh, <laughs> for every user. Um you know, uh, there was one ramp that tried that with sort of a low maximum and they're out of business now. So um, there's sort of clear reasons why, why you can't do that. Um, people will probably still continue to try that because it gets user adoption really quickly. Um, but I, I think it's a really good sentence that uh, organized crime tends to look like user adoption. So that's, that's uh, sort of not a road we would ever want to go down. Um, uh, yeah, I think, I think that's, that's, uh, that's a fun little joke, but that, that, that's pretty much the extent, you know, all the obvious things, coverage, assets, um, obviously we'll do that. And then, uh, like I said, just, there's a long list of little things we can do to improve the user experience and allow them to go through the widget quickly, which is our ultimate goal is get from the thought of, I want to buy this coin to having it in your wallet, um, very quickly. Cool. Yeah. Sounds like you're bringing it to the user and also you know, bringing the users to you. So that's awesome. Thanks. Appreciate it. Yep. Of course. Thank you, Aurobot gangs, for some really good questions. So um, we're going to wait for a few minutes for to see if anyone got any more questions. Well, yeah. You have some questions? Yeah, hello, hello everybody. Um, yeah, um, all about 99 kind of took one of my questions away. So um, I'll just go to the next one, which has to do with, um, you know, um, the countries or the locations where there's a lot of um, regulation, you know, maybe like, say, Asia or, in my case, you know, Africa and stuff like that. You know, how does 
how does that work um, behind the scenes, like in terms of of tackling these um, these regulations and trying to make it easier for for these um, these these regions to have access to the to the ramps and stuff like that. You know, uh, in the beginning you mentioned mobile money and Kenya. You know, is that something that you address with say the governments, or is that something that you address with um, you know the 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 network um, uh, providers or the service providers because yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah you're you're exactly right um we would go through i mean regulation wise it's really just about being in compliance um it's kind of ironic sometimes when there's more regulation it's a bit easier because at least the rules are clear um there's a lot of places where the rules are fairly vague um even in the US um in terms of acquiring money transmitter licenses and things like that. Um, to get those things, you have to justify why you need one. Um, and it's sort of an outdated system that was made for like liquor stores and things, but it's, it, it, it exists. So you need them for, you know, enterprise businesses as well. It's, it's sort of a strange system. Um, and in many ways, a lot of more emerging markets are, are better in terms of infrastructure and sort of clear regulation. Um, for example, like you mentioned, um, I use mobile money in Kenya as an example because it's a really cool system. Like I wish we had it here. Um, and th- there are a lot of sort of emerging markets, alternative payment methods that I think it's sort of a late mover advantage because we have so much legacy infrastructure um, in like the U S and Europe that it's hard to sort of tear those things down and, and build uh, new things, especially when there's a lot of vested financial interest in keeping the old system running. Um, so that's why I, I really love sort of emerging markets and, and alternative payment methods because it's sort of the cutting edge of, of technology and it's it's usually much easier for, for all the users. Um, so like uh, we can use we can use mobile money as an example. We would integrate with uh, a service provider. We would make sure everything's in compliant with with sort of the regulations in each country or region. Um, but we would typically sort of embed the service provider in the back end as a way for us to accept um, whatever the local uh, payment method is there. And then the crypto side is easy. It's, you know, decentralized globally. And we just send an asset from, from our wallet to the user's wallet once their fiat has cleared. Um, so that's sort of the, the difficulty in terms of like, there's the tech integration side, and then there's just getting all these people to talk to you and, and agree that they want to work with you. Um, sort of just general businessing as they call it. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's sort of the, the time and effort it takes to, to integrate these on a one-by-one basis because, you know, say we want to add coverage in Kenya, we'll have to find a provider in Kenya to, to allow us to accept fiat um, in whatever payment method is, is well adopted there. Right. And then once we do that, we move to the next country, say we want to add Nigeria. Now we have to do the same thing there. Um, For some of these regions, there's, there's service providers that cover multiple countries and that, that helps us a lot. Um, and that's sort of always the ideal situation, but sometimes you really have to do it on a country by country basis. Um, but yeah, that's how we do it. All right. Um, thank you very much for answering. Um, also, second question, um, you know, when we look at the way on ramps work and from what Robert 99 just asked between about, um, cost chain, um, activity and stuff like that, can we safely say that, um, C14 is looking at um, composability as, you know, something that they are contributing to actively or it's just, you know, a byproduct of, of what you're doing. 
Uh, in terms of cross-chain swapping, I, I think it's not going to be a huge priority for us in the short term, but I think it's really interesting um, and something that we can definitely look into adding in the future. Um, I think in the short term, our goal is really a lot of these alternative payment methods. So opening up coverage for people to buy native assets. Um, it's really difficult for people to, you know, sort of the normal user who's never used crypto before. It's going to be really hard for them to get native Aurora on Aurora network, right? So I think like first focusing on that, we still have a lot we need to do on the coverage side. Um, and then on the asset side, we'll keep integrating new chains, adding native assets, everything like that. Um, so that's sort of our first priority because we're so young. Um, but down the line, I think it would make sense to do some sort of cross-chain swapping and that could be really interesting. Um, or we can direct people to bridges, but bridges typically are pretty expensive. Um, so I'd rather do it. <laughs> in-house through the widget i think that's a nice value add um but you know the short shorter term version of this is like we have native aurora we have native near you can buy either asset and then in the future you have native aurora you want native near you can swap to it i think that's an interesting feature um no promises but i, I did make a a note and i circled it several times so it should be <laughs> should be added to the roadmap at some point All right. Thank you very much. Thank you for answering. Of course. Thanks for the great questions. Okay. Thank you, Beat. Thank you, Beat, for the great questions. You guys know Beat is a really good uh, writer. He writes some blog for New Week and We Week. Uh, overall, we love Beat. So thank you, Beat. Oh, awesome. Okay, so we're going to wait for another few minutes. So if nobody have any more questions, then we will call it early. Okay. It's like no one have any more questions. Uh, so, there's any any final words you want to you want to uh, to say, Patrick? No, I really enjoyed this. This was a great discussion. Um, always down to to do these kind of things. I think um, it's a it's a complex business, but it's an important one, and I'm I'm always happy to kind of talk through what the goals are. Um, and thanks for everybody for hanging out. This was a great attendance, really good questions. Um, if anybody is building on Aurora and wants to embed the widget, please feel free to DM me or hit the website, do a contact there. Um, but yeah, or you can DM me, always always available to talk. And uh, yeah, excited to keep building and, and thanks for having me again. Awesome, awesome. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you, Ariana. And I hope C14 in the future will... Um, I just wish you guys the best for the future. I appreciate that. Same same to you guys. We'll be building together. So let's, let's okay, both be successful you. here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Ariana, any final words? Yeah, no, just was a great space. So thanks for inviting me to co-host it. And yeah, it was great to hear more about C14 and I'm very bullish on it. Awesome. Likewise on Aurora. Nice. Okay, guys, then uh, have a great day and see you around. Perfect.
All right. Take care, everyone. See you, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.